like to welcome you to the morning service. New Hope Baptist Church, pillar and ground of the truth, where God chose to get glory. Welcome. This is not a preaching service this morning. This is a teaching service. Therefore, at any time, if any of you students of God's Word want to speak, speak up, interrupt, do anything you want. Uh, try to keep it on, on track, on subject. Let's pray. Father, we come before your grace, throne of, throne of grace, asking for mercy today. We pray that you would reveal what you would want us to learn from your scripture, Lord. Help us to be awakened about these current times, to be alert and diligent in serving you, Lord. And if there be lost among us, Lord, please convince them that the book that we have before us is your word and they can trust it. In Christ's name, we'd ask these things. Amen. Last week, I was listening to the news, sitting in my little solarium thing. Pat was in the kitchen, and there was an uh, Israeli Defense Force lieutenant colonel by the name of Richard Hetch. And as he was talking, the, the newscaster asked him, what would happen if the, the war escalated in Israel and you start getting attacked on all sides? And he said this, these are very troubling times on a biblical scale. And I looked up and I looked up, I said, Pat, did you hear that? And here's an IDF man, lieutenant colonel, talking about biblical scale in the Middle East. And I go, whoa, what is he talking about? Then I recalled years ago, Ronald Reagan, when he was running for president, he said this. He was asked, he called the Soviet Union an evil empire. And some people chuckled and some didn't. And, and a newscaster asked him why he called the Soviet Union an evil empire. And Ronald Reagan had some things to say, and this is what he said. Never in the time between the, the prophecies up until now has there been a time in which so many prophecies are coming together. There have been times in the past when people thought the end of the world was coming and so forth, but never anything like this. President Ronald Reagan said that. I turn to your ancient prophets in the Old Testament. I'm quoting Ronald Reagan. And the signs foretelling Armageddon, and I find myself wondering if, if we are not the generation that's going to see that come about, Russia is going to be involved in it, unquote. Ronald Reagan, he got him in trouble. I, rem I remember that campaign, and it got himself into trouble um, with a lot of liberal people because he would, they considered him some sort of a radical biblical fanatic. Take your Bibles and, what's that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we have some of those fanatics here. <laughs> Take your Bibles and turn to Ezekiel 38. About three or four, five, six weeks ago, I can't remember when, we started Ezekiel 38 and I ran out of time. And I wanted to finish that 
that lesson, and my intention is to do that today. Two objectives. Number one, if you're lost here today, I want you to look at these prophecies and say, whoa, these are true. This book is true. This book is so precise that you can trust it. And if you're saved today, I want, you, I want this lesson, the second objective, April, teaching instruction here, is that I want you to be alert and, and exercise the gifts and your talents that you have to service of the Lord. Do not exercise your gifts and talents to try to accumulate more possessions. When you're old, trust me, they become a burden. So anyway, those are our two instructional objectives, sis. We're teachers, so, so we go by that. Look at Ezekiel chapter 38. We talked about this. I'm going to rush through and review up to about verse 12, and then we're going to start the new section of this lesson at verse 12. Ezekiel 30, 38. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the priest's the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him. And say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Now, Travis is working at the sewage treatment plant, and he's struggling with math. So when he comes out to my house, I do pi r squared h the volume of a cylinder with him, and I'm pounding that into him over and over and over again to see if he can get it. I haven't succeeded yet, but I'm going to keep pounding over and over a review for him. Here, in the Scripture, God does the same thing for us. In verse 3, it says, Behold, I am, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And then in chapter 39, Verse 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, chief prince and Tubal. Same exact phrase again to remind us and repeat to us to get it in our mind. There's a country here that God and a people that God is against. I thought about you, brother, the other day in that class. You said, A nation of sheep and a nation of goats caught me kind of off guard. And I went, Whoa, what's Ken talking about? I know there's sheep and goats, people. But maybe so. I don't know. But anyway, I thought about you when I was studying this. God is against this group of people called Gog, Magog, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And we looked at that. Remember the last class we looked at that? This country, this identifying people is north of Israel, someplace up the north parts away from Israel. And it says in verse 4, I, God, will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws and bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers, shields, all of them handling swords. And I laughed and I said, sorry, Roy, don't take your horseshoe and stuff over here, these horses. These horses in the Hebrew means swallows as from their rapid flight, and these horsemen means drivers of chariots. So as we look at this prophecy, this, these, somehow these swallows from their rapid flight and these chariot drivers in these swallows from their rapid flight. And I said, we can pretty well figure some of this out in our modern day understanding. Verse 5. Another thing I want to point out. 
the Bible here says God himself is going to bring these nations down against Israel. They're doing it, but God is controlling this whole thing. In the scripture, it says, it says, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, you have crucified. The worst, most heinous crime in the history of mankind. But it says that him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. Man's responsible for his evil conduct. God is controlling the whole situation. When we study the book of Daniel, we're going to see that in the first chapter in the book of Daniel. God controls what's happening. Verse 5, the nations that are aligned with this nation up north says this, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, with, all, with them and all with, that with shield and helmet, Gomer and all his bands, the house of Togomar and the north quarters and his bands, and many people with thee. The nations north of Israel, Turkey, those nations all around surrounding that, coming down apparently with this northern enemy of Israel. Verse 7, be thou prepared and prepare for thyself, thou and all thy company that is assembled unto thee, and be thou a guard unto them. This northern nation, be a guard unto all of these nations that are coming. That word means a protector, an example. This northern neighbor is going to have great influence on these other nations that are also going to come down against Israel. After many days, verse, next verse, thou shalt be visited in the latter years. Whoa, we are identifying the time period. Israel's in Palestine. It's in the latter years. Thou shalt come into the land that is brought back from the sword and is gathered out of many people against the mountains of Israel, which have always laid waste, but is brought forth out of the nations, and they shall dwell all of them safely. Put your finger there and go over to verse 12. To take a spoil, to take a prey. Look halfway through. And upon the people that are gathered out of many nations, halfway through verse 12, which have gotten cattle and goods and dwell in the midst of the land. That's Israel being established. Now, I contacted one of my police officer friends this morning, and I've been studying double tap. You know what a double, anyone here know what a police maneuver is called a double tap? Huh? They have a pistol in their hand, and they need to exercise uh, uh, force, I mean deadly force. And their police officers are taught to line that pistol up with their hand, aim, boom. The button recoils, boom, again. Boom, boom, and they can get real fast with it. I know you think I'm wacko, but I consider this the double tap of prophecies. Listen to me. Listen to me. Israel is established in Palestine. There's one of the first prophecies in both of those two scriptures I just showed you. Israel's back in Palestine in the latter years or the latter days. And an invading army is surrounding it and coming down onto it. The second prophecy, bang, bang, double tap prophecy. I don't think you'll get that in theology books, Dave. Okay, now, verse 9, how is this invasion going to take place? Thou shalt ascend and come like a storm, 
and thou shalt be like a cloud. This is a storm. This is a, this cloud is a nimbus. This is a cumulonimbus. This is one of those frightening, fast-moving thunderstorms that come upon the land. So we can understand what sort of invasion this is going to be. It's going to be quick, fast, hard. And um, many people with thee, all of these allies. Verse 10, and thus, shall the Lord, Lord God, and thus saith the Lord God, it shall come to pass at the same time those things come into thy mind, and thou shalt think an evil thought. Ronald Reagan, evil nation. I'm not sure he's right, but an evil thought. Where's an evil thought come from? I know where it comes from. It comes from the demonic realm. You know what I'd expect to see this day and age if this prophecy is before us? I would expect to see evil thoughts against God's people. I would expect to see an increase in anti-Semitism. Huh? Wouldn't you? I would think so. I would think so. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. I will go to them that are rest and dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars. To take a spoil, to take a prey. We just covered that scripture. Look at verse 13. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all of the young lions thereof shall say, shall say, art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou come to... Come to, uh, hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey to carry away silver and gold and take away cattle, that is, riches and goods, and take a great spoil? Sheba and Dedan. Anyone here know where Sheba and Dedan migrated to? Hmm? Saudi Arabia. Dedan was a kind of an oasis up in the northern end, north, north end of Saudi Arabia. They went there. Sheba went south, south and east, toward the Persian Gulf. It is current Saudi Arabia. If we put that in our vocabulary here, Saudi Arabia is not in the invading force here. Hmm? But she says, what are you doing? How come you're coming down here? Do you find it mildly interesting that the last president established the Abrahamic Accord with Saudi Arabia? Isn't that interesting? Sheba and Dedan, Saudi Arabia. And the merchants of Tarshish and all the young lions thereof. Remember last week, our lesson in uh, the mariners of Tarshish. Those Tarshins had big ships, Phoenician ships, 100 footers, capable of carrying over 400 tons of material. They would sail out through the pillars of Hercules, the rock of Gibraltar, the mountain in Morocco, where it narrows down to seven nautical miles, and they would go through that strait, and they would go on some of them three-year tours, according to Second or Kings about Solomon, and then they would bring material and goods and animals and strange things back into King Solomon. These were mariners that were going all over the place. Some believe that they were even traveling to the New World. There is some evidence, Barry Fell, in, in his book, America B.C. Interesting works concerning this. These merchants of Tarshish spread out along that coast up into Great Britain, Western Europe, and some believe the young lions there was 
thereof are the offsprings of even Great Britain. Who are the offsprings of Great Britain? I mean, you can stretch your imagination, might have to stretch it a little bit to get where there's an island coastal nation, which we're going to see in a few minutes. Sheba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish. Look at verse 14. Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say unto Gog, Gog, thus saith the Lord God in that day when my people of Israel dwell safely, thou, you shall not know it. Folks, if this is a current prophecy, Israel looks to me like they're in grave danger. Wouldn't you say? I mean, we've got the Persians, Iran, developing missiles and nukes to try to hit them. All of those Islamics want to kill them, wipe them off. River to the sea is a chant that you hear on the news. Isn't that something? But the Bible here says, it says, that they are safe. They are safe. It doesn't look like it. And when this invading horde comes down, they're going to think that they can take this country and kick them out. Verse 16, And thou shalt come upon my people of Israel as a cloud that covers the land, and it shall be in the latter days, and I will bring you against my land that the heathen may know me. I am so frustrated with people that come to my house and try to witness to them. First of all, they'll turn their head one side when you present the scripture, and they're not interested. The Bible here in three or four different places says when this comes to pass, nations are going to know him. Heathens are going to know him. This whole scenario here, when it happens, is a wake-up call for people. When I will be sanctified in the O Gog before their eyes. End of that verse. Now, I'm running out of time, so I'm going to skip over. There's a whole lot of shaking going on in this prophecy. Look at, put your finger over on verse 39, or chapter 39. Therefore, verse 39, Son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus shall, saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back, and I will leave but a sixth part of thee, Sixth part of thee, and I will cause thee to come up into the north parts, and I will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. Class, where's the north parts, and where are the mountains of Israel? Anybody? Who said that? Heights of Golan. You go up, you go around uh, uh, the Sea of Galilee, you cross past Tiberias, you go to past Capernaum. You cross the Jordan River. Don't take your fly rod out and fish there, but although there's some fly fish in there, you boys that fly fish, and then you gently climb up onto the heights of Golan. There's a border up there with Syria. When Syria attacks, they come across the heights of Golan. And then on your left, you can look over and you can see Mount Hermon, which drains to the Jordan and to Damascus. And then those are the hills. And oh, oh, Lebanon is there. Oh, Lebanon's on the north. And what's happening up there? There's little skirmishes going on up, up there right now, isn't there? And the, the, the Israelis are worried they don't want that war to escalate on that northern border. I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee. 
And I will smite the bow out of thy left hand, and I will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Verse 4, thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. And I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beasts of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I, the Lord, have spoken it. What happens up there, folks? There's an invasion goes on. Those invading armies with this Gog Magog, Rush, Rush, however you want to say it, comes down with all these nations allied and comes down into the north part of Israel, the mountains, the heights of Golan and the mountains, and then the Bible here says, bam! Five-sixths of them are dead on the battlefield. And you know what? The Bible here says the ravenous birds and the beasts eat on the carcasses. That is very uncharacteristic of the Jews. You know why? They value life. It doesn't make any difference whose it is. And when there's a terrorist attack, they take care of all of the remains. They're very uh, meticulous in taking care of the deceased. But they don't do it here. What happens? How can five sixths of that invading army lay dead upon the heights of Golan and in the mountains of Israel? Anybody? By the hand of God. Absolutely. Does the hand of God use military machines to accomplish his purpose, my brother? You go like this. Yes. Yes. God always uses armies to accomplish his purpose. He used Hitler to bring his Jews back into Palestine. Huh? Okay, listen to this. Now, I don't think that it was an aerial burst nuclear explosion with fire. I don't see that because everything would be incinerated. But some catastrophe happens to this military machine, and five-sixths of them are just gone instantly in this fast-moving military assault. Listen to this. By the mid-1980s, the technicians at Daimona, does anyone know what Daimona is? It's the Israeli what? Who said that? Israeli nuclear reactor where they produce their radiological stuff. Demona had manufactured hundreds of low-yield neutron warheads capable of destroying large numbers of enemy troops with minimal property damage. Listen to this. Israeli field commanders have accepted nuclear artillery shells and nuclear landmines as battlefield necessities. Another means to an end. As they did in 1970. Or should any Arab nation fire, if, if any Arab nation fires missiles again at, at Israel as Iraq did, the nuclear escalation, once unthinkable except as a last resort, would now be a strong probability. End of quote. And I think about what this Lieutenant Colonel Hetch said. We are on the edge 
of something in the Middle East that's on, on biblical scale. And I'm wondering if he wasn't thinking about this. I don't know. I don't know. Now, look at verse 6. We're going to end right here. And I will send fire. I will send fire among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So fire's going to rain down upon the land of Magog, that northern enemy. Boom. And fire's going to rain down upon them that dwell carelessly, look at the wording here, in the isles. I find that interesting. Remember the merchants of Tarshish and all that, those sailors. The word dwell, I looked every word up here, Kevin. The word dwell means to settle, to be merry, to inhabit. The word carelessly here means to place a place of refuge and safety and security, a feeling of, of uh, trust. It, I, I, here's a vocabulary word for us. I ran across the vocabulary word for us. The word high, H-I-E, a place to high, H-I-E after. The word high means uh, to go there for refuge. You want to immigrate there for safety. High, H-I-E, new, your new vocabulary word. People desire to be in the area and security of these mystery islands. Hmm? Interesting, isn't it? Isles, an inhabitable spot, as desirable, an island coastal country, a place to wish for, to covet, to long after. I know exactly where this is. Prince of Wales Island. <laughs> no, 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 no. Probably not, because another, another definition, it says it has dry land. I think it means for agriculture, so that kicks this, this out. I don't want that to be recorded and go over the Internet because I don't want a bunch of people flocking here <laughs> for, for security, <laughs> you know, for immigration, for something like that. Anyway, somewhere in this battle, fire's going to rain down upon this northern nation and an island coastal nation where people want to come and immigrate to it. Now, I think it's a stretch to say that this is the United States, but I would remind you of this. Alaska, when we became a state in 1959, we added five times the coastland, coastline to our country. And you know something else that's interesting? I find fascinating. It probably has no bearing on the lesson at all. But Alaska is directly between the continent of the lower 48 and Russia. Isn't that interesting? Now, I know there's some target areas up in Fairbanks because I worked at the fire department. But, but, kind of a nice place to be. But anyway, if this prophecy is true, and we know it is. My understanding of it may be misaligned somehow, but we need to be very, very watchful. Now, for me, in this skirmish that's going on in the Middle East right now, I hope it stays in Gaza. 
I don't want what's going to happen here to, the way I see it in this scripture. I don't want this to happen. It's going to, but I just don't want it to happen now for some reason. I want it to stay in Gaza. But if you as students of God's word, if you as students of God's word, what would you think if tomorrow on the news you read that there was invading forces of Syrians and Lebanon coming across the border with Soviet or Russian supervisors? What would your little prophetic antennas tell you? Mine would be going, ding, 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 whoa, what is happening here? There could be a big catastrophe up here, and if there's a big catastrophe, it could lead to what our defense people fear, a Middle East skirmish escalating into a superpower confrontation. And this teacher believes that this prophecy describes just such a scenario. If you can prove me wrong, I would like it. I spend most of my old age hoping I'm wrong. But there it it lines up. To me, it lines up. So back to our educational objectives. If you are an unbeliever here today, I want you to look at the precision of this prophecy, the precision of this prophecy and say, this word is true. I can believe it. And then proceed on to find the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteous garments, my brother, on that lesson this morning, and you shall be saved. If you are here and you are a believer, which I assume most are, this is a time for you to be very watchful about what is happening. Now, I've got one more quote. This quote, and then we'll be done. This quote is from the Oxford Bible Church, Appendix 13, on an article on this very thing. Again, we see that the exact alignment of nations predicted in Ezekiel 38 is in place today. The U.S., Western Europe, Tarshish, in parentheses, described here, um, Saudi Arabia, Sheba and Dedan, described here, and, the, and, and are allied today just as portrayed in the prophecy, while Russia, Iran, Sudan, Libya, and most of those other nations mentioned in this prophecy and in in, along the Persian Gulf are aligned against the West again, just as prophesied in Ezekiel 38. Watch, be careful, be alert. If you see an invasion coming down from the north with the Ruskies in it, warn people. Now, I don't know about you, but when this last little skirmish took place with these jihadists, my phone started bleeping. People from the lower 48, what's happening? What do you think? And I tell them the same answer over again. But when this happens, when this happens, it's going to be a wake-up call that the nations and the heathen may know. It's an evangelistic war. And I find it very interesting. Any comments? Nobody? Oh, thank you, sister. I don't I guess I don't know who you are. 
Usually we get shots from the cheap seats. <laughs> Anybody else? You know, I'd ask you this question. Because that lieutenant colonel said that we're approaching skirmishes in the Middle East of biblical proportion, biblical scale. The biggest question I have, is this the Battle of Armageddon or is this before the Battle of Armageddon? And what proves it? Anybody? What's that? It goes, grows into the Battle of Armageddon? I do too. Anybody else have any comments about that? You know, I've said this before, I agree with you totally. The bigger the prophecy, the bigger the conflict. Like, those, like that double tap prophecy I was telling you about here of the Jews going into Palestine in the last days. The, the, the horrific history behind that with Adolf Hitler. I've been reading some stuff, some of his last writings, and oh, they are of the Antichrist. And I don't know what else to say, but the bigger the prophecy, and this is a big one, the bigger this goes on. There's a fight. We, we are fighting against, we're not flesh and blood, but spiritual wickedness in high places, truly. You know something else? That's, you know what I believe? I'll just tell you, and I've said this before. I don't believe this is Armageddon. I believe that we here are going to see this, and I... I turn the TV on to the news, and every morning I go, wow. And you know what my objective is? To see if it's still out there. See if everything's still in place out there. Because I expect this any time now. All the players are in position for this battle right now. I wish Shelby was here. Shelby Beck was here. <laughs> She's my, my history teacher. But man, they are in place right now. Oh, the end of what? Millennium. End of the tribulation you're talking about. Yes. Now, this is how I see this. If this war happens, and let's say that we are correct, and, or I am correct, and, and that gets hit with fire, and this island coastal nation gets hit with fire, and let's say that God uses these military machines. I've got a scripture in Zechariah. I can show you what happens in a nuclear explosion. There's a, there's a scripture there that tells you exactly what happens to a body in Zechariah, about the enemies that come against Jerusalem. If that war happened right now, the whole world would go say, we can never let this happen again. And what would they want? Who said that? One world order. They would want world government so that this could never happen again and get ready to be marked on your right hand or in your right forehead. They would want to track everybody. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you know, sis, when we, my boy and I go hunting, he, he turns his phone on a thing called ghost so that people can't track him. I go, what is that, Zor? Yeah, they, they track him. And we, we didn't want him out in our secret hunting grounds. 
And he, he turns it into ghosts, you know, like whatever that means. I don't understand any of that. But we're in a weird time. We're in a weird time. And all I know is Christians, wake up watch, unbelievers, you can trust this book.